Hello, I'm Jacob Kruger, and this is the Write Your Screenplay Podcast. I want to start today's podcast with a personal story, something that happened to me early in my writing career. I had just sold my first screenplay, which meant I got to do the thing that everybody dreams of doing, the thing that I had always dreamed of doing. I got to leave my job, and I got to devote every hour of every day to the thing that really mattered to me. I got to spend every moment being a writer, and I was primed for success. I was ready to create and create and create and write screenplay after screenplay. I was filled with passion and excitement, and I felt like the dream was finally coming true. And what came instead of the dream that I had planned was three months of the most intense writer's block that I've ever experienced. Um, What followed was three months in which I accomplished pretty much nothing. And what followed was emotionally, probably the hardest three months in my career. And I was very lucky. Um, A dear friend and writing partner of mine, John Wyrick, drove down to Venice Beach and he took me for a walk on the beach. And he said, Jake, I'm worried about my friend. And I said, you know, John, I am really struggling. Every idea that I write It's not as good as the one I just sold. I start something and then I abandon it. Or lately, I'm not even starting at all. And I'm not having fun procrastinating. I'm not flying to Tahiti or going for a walk or working out or painting or playing my guitar or doing anything that gives me joy. I'm sitting in front of my computer staring and not writing. Or I'm reading The Hollywood Reporter or The Daily Variety cover to cover. Or I'm playing that stupid Mindhunter game, if you remember 20 years ago, that crappy little game you'd play on your computer where you clicked on the little boxes on a grid and tried not to get blown up by mines. This is what I'm doing with my days, and I'm miserable, but somehow I can't seem to find any time to write, even though I have all the time in the world. And it was John Wyrick who pulled me out of that tailspin that I was in. And he pulled me out with some very, very, very powerful advice. He said, Jake, it doesn't matter which idea you choose. It doesn't matter if the idea is good or bad. And it doesn't matter if it's the right one or if the script is any good at all. He said, you have to choose an idea today. And you have to start writing it today. And you have to finish it. And you can worry about making it good later. And that was some of the best advice I ever got as a writer. And it was the first step of pulling me out of a very, very dark time and really saving my career. And so I want to do for you today what John Wyrick did for me. Because for many, many, many people in our community, 
we've in a different way just experienced what I experienced all those years ago, which is our life suddenly and irrevocably changed. And we found ourselves suddenly with this strange thing that we've never had before called time. And I'm hearing from so many writers their frustration with themselves, feeling like I have all this time, but I'm not doing anything with it. I have all this time, but I'm still stuck. I have all this time, but I'm watching Tiger King and checking Facebook instead of doing something that matters. I have all this time, but I feel lazy and scared and I can't seem to get myself focused on anything. I have all this time, but all my ideas seem so unimportant in light of what's actually happening out in the world. I have all this time, but somehow I don't seem to have any time. And so I want to tell you how I was able to pull myself out of my block. And with the benefit of some good 2020 hindsight, I want to talk to you about what actually causes this kind of procrastination. Why you're doing it and some very concrete steps you can take today to pull yourself out of it. Because months from now, our lives will go back and they will never be exactly the same. Our lives will be changed by this period. And there will come a time where we are back at our jobs and our economy is an economy again and people can move and communicate. And we will look back at this time and some of us will say, this was the time that actually refocused my whole life, that actually pointed me back towards the things that really matter to me. And others of us will look back at this time with sadness and regret saying, I had all this time, but I was distracted. I had all this time, but I was scared. I had all this time and somehow I ended up right back where I started. And I know that feeling well because for years I beat myself up over those three missing months. For years I beat myself up over that missed opportunity right at the hottest point of my career. And so I want to share where that comes from. And no, it doesn't come from laziness. And if you're one of those people who believes there's no such thing as writer's block, because I always get some emails about that after I do a writer's block article, I want to share that I used to believe there was no such thing as writer's block either. I was never blocked as a writer. In fact, I considered it a gift when I got to write because most of the time I was stealing time to write. I was stealing time between work. I was stealing an extra hour here, an extra 10 minutes here, an extra moment here. My writing time was precious and valued and I got it done even though I didn't have any time. And then oddly, when I had all the time in the world, suddenly it seemed like I had no time. Suddenly it seemed like I became a different person, a lazy person, an undisciplined person, a sad person, 
a person who didn't have anything to say. So writer's block does exist, but it doesn't exist for the reasons that you think. And the things that trigger it are probably different than the things you're imagining. Most writers who have writer's block beat themselves up in a couple different ways. They either go, huh, well, I guess I don't really want it. If I really wanted it, I would be sitting, I wouldn't be sitting here playing on Facebook. I would be actually writing. I guess I don't want it. Other writers will go, oh, well, I guess I'm just not good enough. I guess I'm just not good enough. If I was good enough, I'd be like all those other writers writing. Some writers go, I guess I can't get into the flow or I guess I don't have anything to say. Or I guess I'm undisciplined. I don't have the discipline. I just can't stick to it. Or I'm unfocused. Um, and these are never the truth. Um, being a successful writer has absolutely nothing to do with discipline. I'm not a disciplined person. And in fact, when someone tries to discipline me or when I try to discipline myself, I find that I rebel against that discipline. And most artists are rebels and most of us will rebel against discipline. Um, there's a huge difference between discipline, which is some internal voice or external voice saying you have to do this, and passion, which is some internal voice saying I want to do this, I choose to do this. The challenge is our passions are passionate and they're not controlled. They're not safe emotions that drive passion. They're powerful emotions to drive passion. And if we don't have some kind of infrastructure to pour all of that passion into, what happens is the passion itself can actually undo us. The passion itself, the desire to be great, can actually undo our ability just to sit down and write. I want to paint a metaphor for you. Um, if you imagine a desert, a barren desert, this is how a lot of us feel about our writing lives. We feel like our, our writing lives, our creative lives are a desert. It just never rains. We wish it would rain one day. We imagine a day where it could just rain and rain and rain and just fill us with all that creative nourishment, but our actual lives feel like a desert. We dream of, I'm going to rent a cabin for a week and just disappear into the wilderness. We dream of, okay, I'm going to write my whole script this weekend, right? We dream of that time, that giant rainstorm of passionate creativity that's going to turn our desert into a wonderful rainforest. Um, but if you actually go to the desert in the rain, you'll notice that when that kind of torrential downpour comes, um, it can be actually very destructive. That what actually happens is we get so much rain and there's nowhere for it to flow into and we get violent flash floods. But oddly, on the other side of those flash floods, the rain doesn't get diverted into a reservoir or, or, or suddenly lead to trees and flowers blooming. The rain disappears back into the sand and we're back in a desert again. And this is the experience of a lot of writers who wait for that inspiration to come. Is, 
there's all the inspiration, but then it's gone. Oh, the screenwriting gods spoke to me, the muse took me, but now I have to rewrite it and it's gone, or I'm halfway through and it's gone and back in a desert again. And so what I'd like to suggest to you is that waiting for that flash flood is part of the problem. Waiting for the time when the time is right is part of the problem. Waiting for the time where you have enough time or less time or just the right amount of time or when the kids grow up or when the kids are born or before I have kids or when I graduate from this or when I finish that or when I get through this project or when I'm less scared. When I have more money, when money's not important anymore, all these reasons we put to put off our passion. Our dream of, I'll hit the lottery and get that big rainstorm, I'll sell a script and quit my job. We're longing for that big rainstorm that changes our lives, and what we have to actually accept is that that big rainstorm is not what changes our lives. What that big rainstorm will do is it will come in and it will shake up your life. And we're all in a certain kind of rainstorm right now that's shaking up our lives. And it will come and it will shake up your life. But unless you actually find the structure in your life that you need, the creative structure, on the other side of it, you will be back in a desert. And you'll be wondering, how did that happen when there was so much rain? So, if instead of looking for a rainstorm, you look for just a tiny drip of water, and you just let that water keep dripping, what you'll notice is that that tiny drip of water creates, that steady drip of water creates a little tiny little tiny mark in the sand, a little tiny indentation. And if you let that tiny drip of water run long enough, that tiny little indentation will become a little stream. And if you pour a little more water in and you just let it keep running, that stream will turn into a brook and that brook will eventually turn into a river. And that river will eventually turn into a mighty river, and at that point you can pour as much water as you want in. You can send that giant rainstorm to the desert, and all that water will end up channeled into that river, flowing with creative power and focus. So the question I want to discuss today is how do you build that creative river in a world where we are filled with fear and procrastination and where we are overwhelmed by both how much time we have and how, much, how little time we seem to have? How do you turn on that little drip for yourself? How do you build that riverbed? Well, First, it's important for you to understand what actually got in the way in my life uh, when I had so much time. Why well, was having so much time actually the hardest thing for me as a writer? See, back in the day when I had to steal time to write, every time I wrote, I felt successful. Man, I got 10 minutes, I got some, some thoughts down. Oh, cool, I got an hour, I felt great. That time was precious. Um, but I always felt good after doing it because I knew I'd achieved something that was hard. 
When I had all the time in the world, it didn't matter how long I wrote. If I wrote for an hour, I'd go, there are 24 hours in the day and you don't have anything else to do. Just an hour, really? If I wrote for 10 hours, I would be like, you could have written for 12. If I wrote for 12 hours, I'd be like, could have written for 15. If I wrote for 15, I would be like, well, you wrote for 15 hours, this is all you created? It didn't matter what I did. I always felt like I could have done more because suddenly I had this gift of time and I had no structure to measure it by. The job I had quit was also a writing job, but in that writing job it was very different. I had a boss. And my boss wasn't the nicest guy in the world. In fact, he wasn't a nice guy at all. But he played a valuable role for me. When you got a boss, the boss comes in and goes, this is good. And you go, okay, I'm good. Or the boss comes in and goes, this is bad. And you go, okay, I have to make it better. When you've got a boss, the boss says it's due on Thursday. And you know, you have to get it done on Thursday. And if you don't get it done on Thursday, your boss goes, hey, you got to finish this. Or you're not going to have a job. Your boss is giving you constant feedback that lets you know, are you moving towards your goal? Are you moving away from your goal? Is your work good? Is your work bad? Have you done enough? Have you done not enough? If you have a good boss, your boss will be great at setting super achievable goals for you. If you've got a lousy boss, your boss will probably make you feel crappy most of the time and eventually you'll quit. But writing, in writing, most of us don't have a boss. And most of us are more like entrepreneurs, meaning we've got something inside ourselves that we don't exactly even know what it is, but we have a feeling that if we could just get it out, it's going to change the world. People are going to respond to it. People are going to want it if I can just get it out of my head. And writing is a radical act of trust in that belief. But along the way, until you actually have that product and millions of people go, we love this, up until that day, you never know if it's any good. And so what ends up happening is, um, when we try to play the role of our own inner boss, oftentimes we end up lost at sea. Let me build another metaphor for you. Let's say your job is to be a burger flipper. Um, it's an easy job with an easy boss because the boss comes in and he says, this is what a burger looks like. This is how long they have to sit. This is when you flip them. And if you do this and you flip enough burgers in the right amount of time, then you're doing a good job. And if you're faster than that, you're doing a great job. And if you're slower than that, you're doing a crappy job. And you know exactly what to shoot for. I hit my burger quota. I'm good. But in screenwriting, we're not making burgers. In any kind of writing, we're not making burgers. In any kind of art, we're not making burgers. And in art, sometimes that first burger comes out and it doesn't even look like a freaking burger. In art, sometimes the first hundred burgers don't come out. Now imagine if you're a burger flipper and you write a hundred burgers and they don't come out. Your boss is like, oh, that's not a burger. 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 Well, pretty soon you probably would quit. Probably pretty soon you go, well, I just 
Guess I don't have the talent to be a burger flipper. But the truth is, of course you have the talent to be a burger flipper. It's not a talent issue. The natural process of writing is that most of our writing is crappy. There's a belief that great writers must write great all the time, but it's not true. The truth is that great writers write badly more than you do. And what great writers are great at is finding that one beautiful thing in those 10 crappy pages. In looking at a burger that doesn't look like a burger yet and going, I know how that can become a burger. Our job as writers is so much different than those normal jobs. And so in order to feel structure, in order to build that riverbed, we need to set goals that we can achieve, which is challenging because good is not measurable in screenwriting. It's not a number of burgers. So the first thing that we need to do is we need to get ourselves out of the game of trying to write well, just like I needed to get out of the game of finding the right idea. If you happen to get the right idea, wonderful, congratulations. If you don't, it doesn't matter. Because most great scripts started as terrible scripts that became great over time as the writer looked deeper and looked deeper and looked deeper and applied craft and applied craft and went inside and found their voice and learned what they were really writing about and restructured and changed and rewrote and reinvented. The writing process is, a, is such an intuitive process. It's a spiritual process and it's a process about trust that this thing that's not yet a burger is someday going to become the most delicious Kobe beef burger. Or if you're vegetarian, the most delicious veggie burger you've ever eaten. And so this is the challenge that writers have, is not only does it take a long time to develop um, our craft to a point where we know how to make that burger great, um, it takes a long time to actually develop the skills to actually determine what's a good burger and what's a bad burger. Um, and in fact, many writers will actually pick the McDonald's hamburger that they're familiar with and throw out that Kobe beef burger because it feels weird and unusual and it doesn't look like the burgers they've seen elsewhere most writers will actually judge their best work most harshly and keep the work that is most derivative, most cliche, most derived from things that they've already seen in other films. Because our best work makes us vulnerable and our worst work makes us feel safe. So we need to get out of the judgment game. And we need to get into the objective goal setting game. And that means setting goals that you don't have to wonder if you achieved or not. And the best way to do that is to set a page goal for yourself. A certain number of pages that you owe yourself. Now what I'd recommend doing is picking a day of the week if you're in my Write Your Screenplay class, we always do this on class days, but pick a day of the week that is your day to set your goals, every single week. 
And don't set the dream goals. Don't set the giant rainstorm goals. Set the trickle goals. Set the goals that are so small that you absolutely know you can achieve them. It's so vital to achieve these small goals because if you achieve them, what will happen is you will feel success and each little success will build your riverbed. There's science behind this. Um, when you achieve a goal, you release a chemical called dopamine that makes you feel euphoric and good. And you can think of that dopamine as like a little drip into your riverbed, deepening that riverbed each time, little by little, giving you a way to focus your energy, to build a rhythm and an infrastructure for your life. So step one is to set nice, clear page goals. Um, think about your real life. Think about the crazy things that are going to happen. Think about the scary article that's going to suck you down into a rabbit hole of research. Think about how long you're going to spend disinfecting your groceries. Think about the kids that are going to need your attention and the dog that's going to need a walk. Think about all that stuff. And think, how many pages do I absolutely know I can write this week? But deciding the number of pages is not enough. Once you have that really, really great number, and if you're not sure, if you feel like you might be pushing it at all, cut the number in half. I want you to achieve the goal because if you don't achieve the goal, uh, a diff different chemical gets released, a chemical called cortisol. And cortisol will make you fat and depressed and it will make you not want to write. And that means that the next time you set out to write, you will have to fight through that cortisol feeling. And if you think back to the story I told you, you realize that I was playing the wrong game. I should have been playing the dopamine game of little successes. And instead I was playing the cortisol game of feeling failure, then feeling more failure, then beating myself up for failure, then punishing myself for failure, then feeling worse about the failure, then procrastinating because of the failure. And you could see I was building a little cortisol bubble for myself that I had to fight through with little drips of dopamine, little tiny successes, until I had that river that I could pour my energy into again. So you're going to set a goal that you know you can achieve. You're going to cut it in half so you absolutely know you can achieve it. And then you're going to schedule the actual times you're going to achieve it. Um, this is the most important part. A lot of people are like, I got it. I got my goal. I'm going to write three pages and I'm going to do it this weekend or I'm going to do it Tuesday. Well, guess what? You are not going to do it. You're not going to do it because it's not scheduled. And you're going to want to do it and you're going to feel bad about not doing it, but you're not going to do it because when things aren't scheduled, our subconscious mind knows it's not that important. It means you're going to try to do it. And we all know when you try to do it, what you're going to do is fail. So you want to schedule the actual times. And here's my trick. For any given day, I'm going to get set my goal small enough 
that I could do it in seven minutes. So that means for any given day, my goal might be somewhere between a half a page and two pages. I'm going to set a goal small enough that I could do it in seven minutes. Whew, just blow through it, write a page of terrible, terrible screenwriting. I'm done and I can work on making it better tomorrow. If I do that, the seven minute trick is one of the most powerful tricks I have for myself. And the reason for that is I can't fool myself about seven minutes. No matter how busy I am, I can't convince myself that I don't have seven minutes. No matter how scared I am, no matter how painful writing feels today, I can't convince myself realistically. I can't look myself in the mirror and go, well, I'm too scared to write for seven minutes. I'm too bad to write for seven minutes. It's too hard to write. It's, it's too easy. You can do it. So, I like to set my page goals low enough that I can get it done in seven minutes if I have to. And if seven minutes is all you have, then you can schedule seven minutes. But when possible, what I'll try to do is I will try to schedule a large block of time to do that seven minute goal. So I'll give you a real example. Saturday, this is a very busy time for us. We are taking all of our classes online. We're building a new program for kids. We're building a scholarship fund to help students who are affected by COVID-19, who have lost their jobs. We want students to be able to continue to move forward and to take advantage of this time. So we're working our butts off. So I don't have a lot of time right now, but Saturday, I have some time. Saturday between 11 and 1, I owe myself a page and a half. And that two-hour block to write a page and a half is a gift. And let me tell you why. Sometimes you have this thing called a good writing day. And guess what? You can't control it. The screenwriting gods decide if you're going to have a good writing day or not. And sometimes the heavens open up and it's like, oh, and you just have a great writing day. And if that happens, I can keep writing. I can write my page and a half and I can keep going and I might get three, four, five, 15, 10, 20. I might get a lot of great pages. On other days, we have what are called terrible writing days. On those days, it hurts to even sit down and write. Every word is painful. Everything feels disconnected. And you might think that if you're having those days, it means you might, you're not a writer, but it means exactly the opposite. Um, if writing happened on the great writing days, everyone would be a writer. Real writers make their bones in the days when it's not flowing. And the biggest skill that you can give yourself is the skill to keep writing on days when it's not coming. That's what the great writers do. So what you're going to do on a bad writing day is what I do on a bad writing day. I go, okay, man, I really don't want to be here. I'm going to blow out a page and a half in seven minutes. I'm going to just write nonstop a bunch of gobbledygook. I'll deal with it tomorrow. It gives me something to edit. And then I can close my laptop and I can do anything I want. I can spend an 
hour and 53 minutes surfing the web. I can spend an hour and 53 minutes going for a walk. I can spend an hour and 53 minutes playing with my dog or playing my guitar. I've already been a writer today. On other days, I might really feel the need to meditate on my script. So I can sit down, write a page and a half in seven minutes and spend the rest of the time just meditating, just thinking about my script. On other days, I might feel the need to really get crunchy in a revision, maybe go line by line and really make sure each image is working. And I might take that whole two hours just to work on one and a half pages, just to look at them with that kind of detail. But I have to hit that one and a half page goal. Now the next important thing about this is notice I didn't say one and a half good pages. As soon as you add the word good, you're screwed because you don't know if it's good. You won't know if it's good until many, many, many drafts from now. And even if you try to get feedback, guess what? Most people won't know if it's good. Most people are good at looking at a good movie and going, that's good. But most people, and unfortunately most people who are giving feedback on screenplays, are not very good at looking at a raw piece of diamond that just came out of the ground and going like, oh yeah, you just got to remove this dirt, polish that up, get the, this cut in the right way, and it's going to be a diamond. Most people will look at an uncut diamond and go, well, that just looks like an ugly rock. It takes a lot of experience to actually recognize what's good. So, and also what gets tied up with, with good if the person giving you feedback isn't extremely well trained is something called genre preferences. Let me give you an example of genre preference. I didn't like Titanic. But was it good? Well, Billions of people thought so. For billions of people, that movie was powerful and meaningful and uh, one of those cornerstone movies, it won the Academy Award. I didn't like it because of my genre preferences. One of the movies that I like most is a terrible movie called The Fountain. The Fountain is the movie that I most wish I had been hired to rewrite. Because that movie, even though what they shot does not work, with a few more drafts, I can see how that could have been one of the most beautiful movies ever made. And so I love that movie because of my genre preferences, not because it's effective. So one of the things that we have to understand is that feedback from other people and even feedback from ourselves, unless you've gotten a lot of training, Unless you are working as a professional writer or with a professional writer who's not just a great writer but also a great mentor, you've got to be so careful about feedback. Eventually, you will develop a radar, not for what's good but for what's true. 
and eventually you'll be able to use that radar to help you navigate through all the self-judgment and criticisms and fears that come up with writing. But for right now, we're building the river. We're not worried about what's flowing in it. So for right now, we're going to get out of the quality game and into the quantity game. Your job's not to write a good page. Your job's to write a page. Your job is not to write a great script. Your job's to write a script. Your job is not to write for seven minutes and discover something wonderful. Your job is to write for seven minutes and discover whatever you discover. What we're doing right now is we're building the foundation. And once you get that stream flowing, editing is much less scary. When you're creating every day, if you write something terrible, it doesn't matter. Uh, one of my great mentors uh, was a guy named Joe Blaustein. Uh, Joe Blaustein was a painter, and still is a painter uh, out in Los Angeles, and he's the guy who taught me how to paint. And uh, Joe used to say, don't paint on canvas, you'll get precious. Paint on paper. You want to feel like you could throw it away. And when he first said that, I thought he was crazy. But what I realized is when you're painting every day, it doesn't matter if you make a bad painting, you throw it away. It's only so precious when we're not doing it enough. That's when we're so scared about having wasted time. So all we're trying to do right now is to get the writing flowing. We're trying to build that riverbed. And the way we do it is we set small achievable goals. We write as many times a week for short periods as we can, but we also let ourselves rest. Even God rested, if you believe in God. Even God rested creating the universe. You can rest too. That means we don't write every day. But maybe we write three times a week. Maybe we write four times a week. We're going to set small, consistent goals. And what you're going to notice as you start to achieve these goals is that that seven minutes in the morning turns into thinking about your writing all day. While you're disinfecting your doorknobs, you're thinking about your writing. While you're walking the dog, you're thinking about your writing. While you're making dinner, you're thinking about your writing. While you're doing your work, an idea comes for you. And once you realize how much you can actually accomplish in seven minutes, what happens is you start to realize you have lots of seven-minute blocks. Suddenly an idea comes, and instead of going, oh, I'll remember that tomorrow, and then you don't, you go, oh, I'm going to grab seven minutes and write it. A line of dialogue, an image, a thought. Suddenly you realize you can steal these seven-minute chunks all over the place. And you can create so much. And all the stuff you create in one day becomes fodder for rewriting in the next day. In fact, you can count a rewritten page the same way as a page. As long as you at least retype everything so that you're actually generating that page and making those decisions again. So this is what's really beautiful, is soon you start to find opportunities to write. And it's not discipline that makes you do it, it's passion. It's not somebody forcing you, it's not an external voice, it's an internal voice going, I want to, I can. And I've learned because I've started to Make those choices today, and today, and today. You'll also notice that seven minutes starts to become 10 minutes. Starts to become 15 minutes. Starts to become a half hour or an hour. Uh, 
if you jog, you probably know about a program called Couch to 5K and you start off and you're doing two minutes and then suddenly you're doing half an hour and it's only a few weeks, but suddenly a half an hour straight of running is easy when on the first day running for two minutes is hard. Once you build that river, it becomes so easy to play in it. It becomes so easy to come back to it. And one of the things you'll find is that you actually have time that you didn't know you had. That as you build that river, it starts to grow. But for it to work, what has to happen is this. Number one, if you achieve your goal, you can choose to keep going, but you can also choose to stop. And if you choose to stop, you still want to celebrate. There are so many ways you can celebrate. Post something on Facebook. Tag me. I'll like it. At the JK Studio. You can email a friend. Hey, I wrote my pages today. How did you do? You can do a little happy dance. You can check it off on your calendar. You can do something to celebrate the fact that today you were more brave than most writers in the world. Today you actually sat down and write. Today you actually sat down and wrote something. If you fall short of your goal, don't beat yourself up, don't punish yourself, don't double your goal. This is how you get into the cortisol game. Don't discipline yourself, don't yell at yourself. If you mess up, if you set your goal right, you can fix it in seven minutes. So the moment you realize you mess up, grab something to write with and on, go hide somewhere for seven minutes and fix it. Get in the habit of fixing it the moment you realize you mess up. But really get in the habit of keeping that scheduled time precious. That specific time, show up in time like you would for the most important meeting in your life. And don't leave until you've completed what you owe yourself. And what that will do for you is it will teach you that this matters. It will teach not the conscious part of your mind that already knows it matters, but the subconscious part of your mind that's learning who you are and who it is every day. The part of you that's a creative child that wants to write, that wants to do something, that wants to be an artist, and that might not even know what she or he has to say yet, but desperately needs to say it. So this is the gift that I want to leave you with today. I want you to focus on building that river. I want you to ask yourself, what are the steps you can take today and tomorrow and the next day? What are the steps you can take every day? I want you to ask yourself, what is the infrastructure that you need to support you, that you need to help you as you start to make progress, as that riverbed starts to grow? And I want you to give yourself the gift because years from now, months from now, maybe even days from now, this gift of time that we have will be gone. And we're going to be looking back at this time saying, this is part of the time that made me who I am. If you're enjoying this podcast and it's helping your writing, then come study with me and my faculty. We offer world-class screenwriting and TV writing classes in New York City or live online from anywhere in the world. We also have a unique ProTrack mentorship program that pairs you one-on-one -on -one with a professional writer who will read every page you write and mentor you through every phase of your career. 
For more information, visit writeyourscreenplay.com.